Good morning. Good morning. This is my first time ever preaching here with people in the building. So this is a unique experience for me. There are people that go to this church. So it's awesome. Um, oh, yes, I'm excited for today. Um, I get the opportunity today to preach about money. So um, you get the new guy in, get him talking about money for people. So that's good. Um, and I'm actually, I'm excited about that because, because Jesus talked a lot about money. And so if, if anyone has a problem with what I say today, it's okay. You can take it up with the big guy because I'm just going to talk about what he talked about money. And uh, I'm excited. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're here. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. And that wherever we are, whether we're here, whether we're watching online, Lord, that we'd have hearts that are ready to receive what you have for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be reading our text today. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. And we're continuing our Matthew series this morning. Matthew 6, 19 and 24. <clears throat> Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So we've been in Matthew, right? We've been in the, in the Matthew series uh, for a long time now. And Jesus is preaching and inviting people uh, into the kingdom of God. He's inviting people into a new way of life. And so here we are. We're, some of us are in the building. Some of us are online. And our King Jesus is talking to us really about money and treasures, how people use their resources. And so the question I have to start is, what do we do with this text? Do we see this text as optional, or do we see this text as something that Jesus has actually commanded for us to live by? And I think often what happens in, in, in these type of texts where it talks about laying up treasures and serving God and money, um, I think couple things happen. A, we don't think we really have a problem with it. And B, often we don't actually, I think, take it as seriously as we ought to. Um, these are the ways of the kingdom, and we are invited into them and called to live by them. And we desperately, desperately need a transformed heart to live the kingdom life. Um, Jesus' commands, which we've been going through for the last two or three months, are radical. And we, we need a transformed heart, a filling of the Spirit to be able to live this way. 
So as we enter into this morning, we recognize that Jesus is our king and that he is inviting us to a way of life. He is inviting us to new perspectives and thoughts and ideas of our treasures. And so let's dive in to this. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So first thing I want you all to notice, it says, do not. And so Jesus says, don't do it. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not do it. And I think sometimes we see this as an option, and yet Jesus says, do not do it. Do not do it. This is, we're two, we're two words in, do not, and this is already extremely, extremely countercultural in 2021. Storing treasures up on earth, whether that is money, possessions, is the thing to do here. We are bombarded with messages that you need this more, more, more. You will be happy if you have this. You'll be content if you have this in your life. Um, I, oh, man, I will, I'll, just be, I'll be happy if I have this stuff. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. He says, don't try to accumulate wealth for wealth's sake. Don't try to get as many possessions as possible. Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus is talking. He says, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Be on your guard. We're called to be on our guard. This, this stuff creeps into our lives. And I think especially where we live in the West, this creeps into our lives because it's normal. It's normal to just have stuff. It's normal. That's, 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 what, that's what it is. And Jesus is he's talking to people that definitely do not have as much stuff as we do. And he says, be on your guard against all covetousness, for, some, for life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I checked, I checked a lot of other translations about the do not part, and I thought, okay, maybe it's a translation error. And I legit, actually, I did check under other translations, and they... They all said the same thing. Lay not up. Don't. Do not. Every translation says the same thing. So it's not a translation error. We're called to not lay up treasures on earth. Does Jesus give us a reason why? Well, he, he does. He does. He says, do not lay up tre- for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus is saying, don't store up treasures on earth. Why? Because they don't last. They don't last. They're temporary. See, I've experienced things not lasting in my life. When I, five years ago, carrying myself, we're living in Winnipeg. I mean, we were, we were living in Winnipeg currently. But we moved away a couple times. Now we're back in Winnipeg. Five years ago, we were in Winnipeg. We're living near U of M. And I was bike commuting I was kind of half-hearted, like it was cold, so I didn't always bike commute, but I did sometimes bike commute. And at university one day, I'm going to go to my bike at the end of the day, and my lock is snapped in half, and it's lying on the ground, and someone stole my bike. I was like, oh, that sucks. I guess they needed it more than I did that day. Another story, oh, okay, I'm going to keep going on that story. It's very interesting. I bought it on my MasterCard, so I had insurance, so I got a new bike, and so, and then six months later, or something like that, four, four to six months later, then like the, 
some people made a bus at a house and they found this bike and so they checked it up and sure enough, it was my bike. So I ended up getting two bikes for the price of one. And so you're, now the moral of the story is actually store up treasures because you might get double. No, that's not the case because then a year or two later, I'm in, we're living in a different location and someone took my bike from my garage. So I have my, I've had my bike stolen twice from me. I've also had sandals stolen from me. Like that one really, that actually hurt more than the bike did. That, that's just cold. That's just like, that's a personal attack against me. I got my sandals dirty and it was going to rain. So I figured, hey, that's a smart idea. I'm going to put my sandals on my deck. Rain's going to come. And I forgot about my sandals for a couple days. And I check. And my one pair of shoes that I put, they were there. And my other sandals were gone. I was like, they were nice sandals. I was actually a bit ripped off. I had to work. I was driving to work, and I had to work through that. I was like, "This, like, that's just cold." Taking my sandals, anyways. But do you guys remember getting your first? Who here has a smartphone? Anyone have a smartphone? Okay, majority of us have a smartphone. Uh, is that your first smartphone? Who here has their currently their first smartphone? Who has it? Nobody in the room. You saw. You have your first smartphone. When did you get your first smartphone? Oh, okay, that kind of counts. Then. Yeah, that's good. Most of us don't have our first phones. I don't have my first phone. Why? Because, well, first of all, my current phone, I can't even download certain apps anymore because I can't get enough software updates. So I'm going to need to get a new phone soon if I want to ha keep having apps on my phone. So now my phone is currently useless. Well, it's not useless, but like, it's, it's becoming more useless, right? And that's the case for our phones. I've had cracks on my phones. I've got to get stuff replaced. Even the value of stuff doesn't last. Moth and rust destroy. I think even that the, the value of things don't last, right? Like when I was younger, I played a lot of video games. And I remember like, oh, I just want like this new game. Like it's going to be amazing. And I get it. And it's so fun. And then two months later, I'm not even playing it anymore. It's lost its value. When's the next game coming out? That's the, that is what happens with stuff. With stuff. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why? Because they don't last. Jesus is, is simply, a, he's, he's, he's talking to our minds here, to our, our logic. Why would you store up stuff that doesn't last? Right? There's a very famous quote, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Right? You'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse because you can't take it with you. It just doesn't make sense. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus gives us one statement, don't do this. And then he says, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we as followers of Jesus must wrestle with this statement. He says, don't do this and do this. So it's really a matter of, are we, are we going to, we have to wrestle with this truth. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we're walking in his kingdom life, he says, don't do this and do this. And I think sometimes you think, oh, Nick, like don't talk about do's and don'ts. Jesus is saying this. I'm not saying this. Jesus, I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying. We open up your Bible to Matthew 6. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. First of all, Jesus is giving us financial advice. He's telling us to look out for ourselves. Lay up for yourselves. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, you need to think about yourself here. 
This is actually financial advice from the king of kings. He says, lay up treasures for yourselves. He says, think about your financial future. Think about your treasures. He says, I want you to lay them up in heaven. I want you to lay them up in heaven. So how exactly do we lay up treasures in heaven? How do we lay up treasures in heaven? Well, thankfully, other parts of the scriptures talk about this. Luke uh, 12, verse 33 says this. This is Jesus talking. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Matthew 19, verse 21 says this. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. First Timothy 6 says this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Luke 14 says this, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. It's very practical. How do we lay up, how do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, by giving. By giving our money, by giving our time, by doing the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about treasure in heaven. We're talking about treasure in heaven. God is so good. Like, he doesn't have to give us anything. We don't deserve salvation. And yet he, by his grace and his love, came and died for us rose from the grave so that we wouldn't have to pay the debt that we owe. And it's an impossible debt to pay off. But Jesus did it for us. And then, he, and then Jesus has the audacity to say, oh, and then I'm going to reward you now for everything you do for me on this earth. God is so good. He is so good. He is so good. So why should we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Why should we live for ourselves treasure in heaven? Let me see if I... Okay, I did. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. That was a proud moment there myself. <laughs> Do not lay up for yourselves... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why lay up treasure in heaven? Because moth and rust won't destroy it. Thieves won't break in and steal it. Treasures in heaven will not lose value. You can actually store up treasure in heaven. That is crazy to me. It almost sounds selfish, but it's not. It's actually a gift from God. And we're not manipulating him. It's like, it's like if someone at Christmas time gives you a gift, you're like, no, I'm going to refuse this gift because I'm too holy to receive this gift from you. No, God says, I want to give you reward. I want to give you reward. He is so good. He is so generous. It's not selfish to try and live for eternity and to gain reward from God. It's actually obedience. Seeking to lay up treasures in heaven is obedience. We get to store up treasures in heaven. Our lives should be about living for the next life. We're all heading there. 
I want to present to you guys a scenario, okay? It's not a perfect scenario, um, but it's, it, it, will, it will work. <laughs> uh, imagine you all have $10,000, okay? Everyone has $10,000, and you, work, you, you play the stock market. You play the stock market game, and there's two stock options, and you have to put all of your money into one of the stock options. You have to pick either option one or option two, okay? And so option one, I don't have a name for it, but we'll say, we're going to say Apple. I don't know. And uh, you have Apple. And you put your $10,000 in, and it's 100% guarantee that with the first 50 years, you're going to make you're going to make some dividends. You're going to make it. You're going to make it big. It's going to be a good first 50 years. Okay, guarantee. However, your anxiety and stress in life will probably increase, but it will be a guarantee that you get first 50 years. You're going to get money back. It's also 100% guarantee that on year 51, you're going to lose it all, and you're left with nothing. Option number two. We're going to call it. Uh, <laughs> We're going to call up the, uh, I was going to make a fun joke, uh, Kingdom Bank. $10,000, you invested into, into Kingdom Bank, and first 50 years, there's no guarantee you're getting anything back. No guarantee. But there's a 100% guarantee on year 51 that you're going to get a million dollars back. And then every single year, for all of eternity, you're going to get a million dollars every year, every single year for the rest of your life. So what do you choose? Do you choose option one or do you choose option two? Well, this is kind of ridiculous, right? Well, obvi like, obviously you're going to pick option two. I think. I mean, I think that's the smart play, right? Option one, you're going to lose it eventually. Option two, you have it forever. And it's, 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 it's quite logical, actually. Here's a quote from Francis Chan. He says this, People accuse me of going overboard and preparing for my first 10 million years in eternity. In my opinion, people go overboard in worrying about their last 10 years on earth. Brothers and sisters, our entire lives are leading up to the return of Jesus and his reign being fully known everywhere. We are heading for eternity. We will stand before Jesus one day. And the money that we've stored up in our bank accounts, the possessions that we have, the treasure on earth that we've accumulated will mean absolutely nothing before him. We don't prepare for eternity on judgment day. We prepare for eternity today and tomorrow and the next day. If life is leading up to that point, if we're all heading there, it only makes sense to radically center our lives on following Jesus, on loving him and seeking his kingdom first honestly, on storing up treasures in heaven, giving of our time, money, resources, seeking his kingdom first. It only makes sense if all of life is going there for all of eternity. That's what we would center our lives on. And I believe this will be an absolutely amazing thing. Like imagine, there's no scripture to back this part up now, so just know that. But imagine we're in heaven. I think what's going to happen one day is God's going to take us and we're going to meet people that he used our money to bless. Maybe you got an opportunity to, to use your money to plant a church. I think in heaven, you're going to meet those believers that you helped plant a church with. Like, that, that is incredible. 
people that are living in, you know, Indonesia or in Africa or in, the, in America or just down the street, right? I think God's going to, I think God is so good and gracious. He's going to show us, man, this is what I used your, your resources for. Or maybe you welcome someone to your home and, and you disciple them and, and you care for them. And then in eternity, you get to meet the people that they discipled because you discipled them. And I think that's going to be an incredible thing. And then, and then we're all just going to praise God because he's so good and glorious. And my man, God, you do this with my time. You do this with my money. That's nuts. That's incredible. I think that's actually what's going to be like. And I have, no, I have no scripture to back that up, but I know God is so good. He's so generous. So does this mean that we aren't supposed to have anything? Like, as, as far as Jesus, we have to have zero possessions. Well, I don't, I think that's an extreme that people can take. They I mean, the early church in Acts, they met in each other's homes. So they had homes and they had food. Zacchaeus in Luke 19 tells Jesus he's going to give half of his possessions to the poor. And he's going to restore four times what he's defrauded people. Jesus says, salvation has come to this place today. Right? It got to his heart. It got to his heart and he responded by, I'm going to give half away. There was a response. There was a response. So I don't think the call for every single believer is to have literally nothing physically. So let's review. First reason why we don't throw up on earth. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. Why we throw up in heaven? Because it's going to last. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I just like, Every time I think about this kind of stuff, it, like, it totally makes sense. Like, if we are living for eternity, it totally makes sense to not store up here and to store up there. This is the best financial advice in light of eternity. And is there another reason? Is there another reason why we shouldn't store up on earth but should store up in heaven? Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, once again, like he always does, brings it back to our hearts. He says the location of your treasure is directly tied to the condition of your heart. Do you seek to store up here on earth? Your heart will probably be affectionate for the things of this earth. Do you seek to store up in heaven? Your heart will be affectionate for the things of heaven. Our hearts follow our money. And... Our money follows our hearts, right? Investing into the kingdom affects, affects our love. If we love Jesus, we will invest into the kingdom. If we invest into the kingdom, we will love Jesus. It's kind of a chicken or egg situation. How are, you know, I honestly, I heard this one time from a preacher, and I believe it, and honestly, he said, you show me your bank account, you show me your bank statements, and I'll tell you what you love. And that's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, how we just need Jesus so much to transform our hearts so this is a natural response. Oh, I just want to give to you, Jesus. I love you so much. I want to give to you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This is a great opportunity to do a heart check. Are, are, you, are you in love with Jesus right now? Where is your heart at? If you feel like it's lacking, if it's lacking in passion, lacking in zeal, a good question to ask yourself would be, where, where am I spending my money? 
Where am I spending my resources? Where am I spending my time? What am I investing my life into? Because that's directly, that's directly tied to our hearts. Am I spending it mostly on myself? Is that what I normally do? Or am I, regu- am I regularly seeking to spend money on others, people in need, furthering God's kingdom? How you think and act with your money and your possessions affects your heart. What we treasure is what we use our money on. And see, Jesus, by this verse alone, Jesus isn't just interested in changing our behavior. He wants our hearts. And he knows that we, what we spend our life, our money, our resources, our possessions, our time, what we spend that on directly affects our hearts. He's not out to get your money. He's out to get your heart for all of eternity. Money has a way of corrupting our hearts. And not saying that money is, like, and I'll be clear, money in itself is not evil. Like, we need money to buy food. We need money to, you know, pay rent and the mortgage and, and all that stuff. And money has a way of corrupting our hearts. But, and things and possessions are not the secret to happiness. The secret to happiness, joy, contentment, is found in Christ alone, not in things or possessions. Philippians 4, Paul knew it. Paul knew this. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is, that is probably the most out-of-context verse that's ever, like, an entire Christian faith. People use this verse all the time. And the context of this verse is, I can be content whatever the circumstance, because I have Christ. Why store up treasures in heaven? That's where they last for eternity. Why store up treasures in heaven? Because our hearts are directly linked to where we store it up. Our affections are are linked to our money. So is there, is there another mindset that we can go after to help with this? Well, I'm going to need some church participation, okay? So everyone, I need everybody involved here, okay? Everyone, even if you're online, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you guys to be doing this, okay? So it's all, we're going to start off, we're all going to take a breath together, okay? Let's all take a breath, breathe in. Okay, just took another one, another breath in. Beautiful. Okay, let's all stand up. Can we all stand up? Okay, let's all stand up together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Really good job, you guys. You guys have done this before, I think. Uh, you can sit down. Uh, we're going to do a math problem in our head, okay? Uh, don't show out the answer yet, but uh, let's all do this in our head. What is the answer to this question? 10 plus 5 minus 6. 10 plus 5 minus 6. What's the answer? Anyone? Seth, nine. Yes, correct. Well done. Well done. What, what, what are we doing here, right? <laughs> That's the question. Acts 17 says this. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all 
the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Deuteronomy, oh, sorry, and even as some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says this, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. We can't take a breath. We can't stand and move. We can't do math in our heads without God sustaining us. You can't work a day of your life without God giving you that ability to work. You can't go to school without God giving you that ability to school. He sustains all. He is the sustainer. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God, which means that money actually belongs to God. Right? The fact that you can make money is a gift of God. It's a grace of God. And not just that fact that God, everything belongs to him. As Christians, we're now called to a new life. We're called to die to ourselves. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Nick is supposed to be dead now. And Christ is supposed to reign in and live through me. And this is the call for every believer. Jesus says, whoever would come after him. Anybody who comes after me, it says you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. It doesn't say that's the pastor's job or that's whatever's job. No, it's anyone who wants to come after Jesus is called to pick up their cross, which is, the cross is a pretty painful instrument to pick up. We are called to be faithful servants of our master. And like this passage I read in Matthew 6, I don't have it on the screen, but we can only have one master. And Jesus, he compares God and money. We can't have both. We have one master. So what does this mean? It means that money and the money and possessions you have, they aren't yours. They belong to God. And this is now our privilege. This, right here. This is our privilege. God Here's my money, here's my possessions, here's my time, here's my stuff. It's all yours anyways. You allow me to do all this stuff, it's yours. It's yours. And so our, our call as believers is, this is yours, God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this stuff? So I said that we can't physically, not every Christian is physically called, I don't think, to have nothing but in a sense, we're all called to have nothing. Because we're all called to say, God, this is yours. You do with it what you want. I'll just follow you. If you want me to have money right now to do this, yes, I'll do that. If you want me to give it all to this person right now, okay, I'll do that. That's the call for Christians. That's the call for every single believer. And here's the amazing part. God is good. And I think sometimes... We fear what he's going to say to us. And I understand that. I get that. I totally get that. But God is so concerned about our eternities. And he is all wisdom, all knowledge, all power. We don't know what's down the road. God does. 
And that is someone we can put our trust in. That is something we can put our trust in. And here's the crazy part, or here's what's hard for us too, is, is money is so often a, a, a it, it brings us to a place of control, right? Like, oh, if I, I can control things if I have money. And giving up our money is like, oh, I'm losing control. Like, I don't like not having this money. And yet God is saying, oh, come on, like I have your eternity in mind. I have your eternity in mind. This is what our King Jesus says. This is the way of the kingdom. Uh, I, I, I read something the other day, and it got me, and, and it, it basically, the guy said, he said, there's no valid reason to not follow God. There's no valid reason to not follow Jesus and his ways. If God is who he says he is, if there is eternity, there is actually no valid reason to not obey Jesus fully in what he says in his word. And I, I, I'm so thankful. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of being in this passage for a couple of weeks now, and it's caused me to question and ask myself, am I storing up treasure on earth right now? Is that what I'm focused on? Or am I storing up treasures in heaven? And I'm thankful. I feel like I, I, I'm not arrived or anything, but I feel like God has brought me to a place of, of open-handedness with being okay with whatever he wants for our money and possessions. And I don't say that to say, like, look at me, like, look how great I am. I say that to say he, he worked in me because I went to him and wrestled through this passage. And I looked at my life, and I was like, where am I at? Am I okay if, if this happens or if this doesn't happen? Am I, am I okay if I, if I don't live here and I live here instead? Like, what, God, what do you want? And I, he did a work in me, and I'm glad he did because it's actually so freeing. Because I think so much of our stress and anxiety in life comes from, not all of it, but I think so much comes from worrying about finances and, and how are we going to do this? And, and oh man, like I, I just, I hear so many people, I hear so many, and I don't, I don't want to step on my toes, but I hear so many people just, oh, I just cannot wait till restrictions lift so I can go travel somewhere. And I'm like, oh man, like our life here isn't about saving money for an next vacation. Our life here is about following Jesus and, pre- and honestly preparing for the next life. It's so freeing, actually. There's a quote, a very famous quote, and it says, some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And I think that quote is hogwash. I think the truth is the, the more heavenly minded we are, the more eternal good we will do on this earth. So Jesus is coming back and he will establish himself fully on earth and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And he will come back and the dwelling place of God will be with man and there'll be no more tears or pain or mourning or death. And he invites us, he invites, it's an invitation. Jesus invites us to a life where we are so radically centered on him and his ways and the next billion years of life. And it is, this is very countercultural. If you live this way, you're like, I don't even care about money on this earth. I just want what Jesus wants. 
And he might, he might. You know, I have heard a story of this guy was like, oh, Lord, like no one gives anything. Like give me money, so I'll give it away. He had like a million dollars the next year and they were just giving it away. Like it's not like having money is necessarily wrong, but it's what we, what are, what's our heart posture? Is it like this? Is it Jesus, this is yours? Whatever you want. Or is it like this? Oh, it's my money. I'm going to keep it. And I think there's so much joy in being a giver of our time and our money. I think of my, in my marriage, I think of Carrie and me and, and the times in our life where we've had so much joy together in our marriage and just in life. And it's been, it's been in times where we've just given ourselves to something for the kingdom. And I think God brings us together as a, as a married couple in those moments. And I think we have such joy in our marriage. And that's not just money-wise. I'm thinking like just investing our time together for the kingdom. And I, there's just such joy in following Jesus. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Like this life that Jesus invites us to is not easy. <laughs> the road is narrow. And the path is hard. That's what it says. So I, I don't believe that Pastor Josh or myself, whoever else preaches on here is, is going to say, follow Jesus and all your wildest dreams will come true. In a sense, follow Jesus and you'll have even crazier things in your dreams because heaven will be nothing like we can imagine. It's going to be amazing. But then we have to live our life for him now. And we get to, and it's a joy. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you are so good. We thank you, God, that you care for our eternities that you desire our hearts for all of eternity. Lord, we thank you that you promise to take care of us. And you say that we'll have, we'll have all that we need. You call us to seek you first. So Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, I pray that, that this passage, Lord, that we wouldn't be afraid to wrestle through it with you. Or that we wouldn't be afraid to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm talking to you about my money right now. I want to be open-handed to you. Lord, I pray we wouldn't be afraid to wrestle with that. God, I pray that you would, you would take us to a new level of surrender and a new level of, of love and affection for you, God. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that... <laughs> that has a massive amount of stored treasure in heaven when we get there. And I pray that we would radically center our lives on you and living for your kingdom and in turn loving the people around us and giving our time or money. God, would we be, that, that's who you are, God. You're a giver. So God, I pray we would reflect you. Change our hearts, God. Make this more natural for us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us online and coming in the building. It's so nice to be able to see people. And uh, yeah, have an awesome day.